0: Many years ago, a traveler stopped to observe something that looked curious to him. It was a farmer who was plowing his fields, and that wasn't the curious thing, but there was a single mule hitched to the plow. The mule was wearing blinders, and the farmer was yelling, Giddy up, Pete! Giddy up, Herb! Giddy up, old Bill! Giddy up, Jeb! Well, the traveler watched for... A while and then asked, uh, say, mister, how many names does that mule have? Just one. His name is Pete. Then why do you call out Herb and Bill and, well, it's like this, explained the farmer. If old Pete knew he was doing the work alone, I couldn't make him do it. <laughs> but if he thinks he's got three other mules working alongside him, he does the job all by himself. And the traveler thought, what a marvelous idea. And he went back to his corporate office in New York and invented the committee. <laughs> Committees are great inventions for managers. Because committee, a manager can take a question or a problem and send it to a committee and then wipe his or her hands of the situation. Jesus didn't have that option. He was like Pete the mule, but he didn't have blinders on. He knew that he was running solo. He had his disciples and he had his other followers, but they were still learners. Because they hadn't ascended to the level of teacher yet, or we don't see that until the book of Acts, Jesus was pulling the plow all by himself. He was making all the hard decisions on his own. So today in the gospel, when he's confronted by a non-Jew and a woman at that, then Jesus seems to struggle with his yoke. This is, to me, one of the most challenging stories in the gospels because at first, it really doesn't show Jesus in a very good light. And it's the only passage that I can think of where this is true. It shows Jesus not as a knower, but as a learner, as a thinker, as one whose mind can be changed. Let's join him in the region of Tyre, or Tyre near the Mediterranean Sea, north of Galilee. Some Jews live in this area, but many of the inhabitants are what in Harry Potter books would be called half-bloods, Jews who had intermarried with those of other races. And so to many of the Jews, the Syrophoenicians and others who were not Jewish were impure. They were not acceptable in God's eyes. Now, we don't know why Jesus was up here in the north. Maybe it was to get away. It seems like he was trying to hide in a way. He was trying to be inconspicuous. But his reputation had already spread outside of the Jewish world. And this foreign woman seeks him, finds him, and bows at his feet. What is Jesus thinking? To which committee can he send her? One Saturday morning a few weeks ago, I got a call from a woman I didn't know. She told me that she had come to the Roanoke Valley for a wedding, that while she was here, her appendix had burst. She had had surgery and named a local hospital and had booked a flight home upon her release, but then had a setback and so had gone back to the hospital for a few days, rebooked her flight for the next day, but needed money for that night at the hotel. We get many requests for money here. I, thankfully, have no access to the money we have at this church. We don't keep petty cash in the office. I don't write the checks, and the only ones I see are the ones that are sent directly to me. I like this. I suggested to the woman that... uh, She tried several service organizations, and she replied that she had heard of them all and had tried them all and that um, they didn't help people outside the Roanoke Valley. When I recommended the rescue mission, she told me that she wasn't assured of a bed there and she couldn't sleep on a mattress on the floor due to her abdominal surgery. She said everyone here in the Roanoke Valley, I assume, the hospital and churches, including Calvary, suggest the rescue mission, to feel like we've done something, and then we can wash our hands of the person. When this Syrophoenician mother bows before Jesus with a desperate request to heal her daughter, Jesus' first answer is no. His first answer implies that he wants to wash his hands of the situation before they attract a speck of dust. Let the children be fed first, he says, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Jesus believed that he was sent by God to the Jews, who were God's children, God's chosen people. He had enough to do taking care of his own people without spending time and energy taking care of others. Do you ever feel that way, too? We have enough to do at our church or in our neighborhood or in our job to take care of each other, don't we? We don't have the time and energy to reach out to people who aren't like us. Not that we would ever call them dogs, but sometimes people different from us seem like another species, and we don't know what to do, so sometimes we just do nothing. We don't Twitter, for example. And we don't understand street language. And we really prefer that if someone is going to have body odor, that there's enough room for us to keep our distance. I'm guilty of it. Are you? The woman's bold response changed Jesus' mind. Sir... Even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. A doctor said to his patient, you're in terrible shape. You've got to do something about it. First, tell your wife to cook more nutritious meals. Stop working like a dog. Also, inform your wife you're going to make a budget and she has to stick to it. And have her keep the kids off your back so you can relax. Unless there are some changes like that in your life, you'll probably be dead in a month. The patient said, Doctor, this would sound more official coming from you. Could you please call my wife and give her those instructions? And when the man got home, his wife rushed to him. She said, I talked to your doctor. Poor man, you've only got 30 days to live. How willing are we to make a change. Jesus inspires us in this passage because he makes a change. The one who was closer to God than anyone in history was willing to respond with mercy and dignified grace. When the form foreign woman said to him, even the dogs get the children's crumbs, Jesus saw that everyone is worthy of God's love and healing. And he answered her, For saying that, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. Jesus got his hands dirty after all. No hand sanitizer for him. He had second thoughts and changed his mind. Again, because we we know we can't do everything Jesus did, sometimes we lean towards doing nothing. And yet even the smallest action may be just what's needed for one person. Dwight L. Moody remembered hearing of a man at sea who was very seasick. He sounded like he was speaking from experience when he said, if there is a time when a man feels that he cannot do any work for the Lord, it is then, in my opinion. But he goes on, while this man was sick, he heard... That a man was, had fallen overboard, and he was wondering if he could do anything to help save him. He laid hold of a light and held it up to the porthole. The drowning man was saved. When this man got over the attack of seasickness, he was up on deck one day and talking to the man who was rescued, and the man told him this testimony. He said he had gone down under the water for a second time and had come up briefly and was preparing to go down for the last time when he put out his hand. And just then, someone held a light at a porthole, and the light fell on his hand just long enough for someone in the lifeboat to see it and catch it and pull into safety. It seemed a small thing to do to hold up the light, and yet it saved a man's life. Moody admonishes us, if you cannot do some great thing, you can hold the light for some poor, perishing person who may be won to Christ and delivered from destruction. Let us take the torch of salvation and go into these dark homes and hold up Christ to the people as the Savior of the world. With your level of energy and time, What one thing would you do? What light would you hold up? When one thing comes to your mind, invite someone else to listen to your idea and reflect with you on that idea. Behavioral studies show that if 2% of a homogeneous group are strongly dedicated to a given cause then that small minority can eventually move the whole. 2%. That would be three people here. Maybe your first thoughts are like mine. Add one thing to my full schedule. Reach out to someone different from me. Speak out loud about my experience with God. Like Jesus, our first thought may be to say no. Are you having second thoughts? While this story is unusual in the New Testament, it's a gift to see this side of Jesus. The Lord's Supper, which we will, in which we will partake momentarily, is our response to some of the gifts of Jesus. Jesus. Today we will share the gifts in silence so that you have time to reflect on God's gifts to you and what, with God's help, you might do with them. What light do you have to hold for someone drowning in the darkness? Let's pray together. God of love and God of light, we thank you for the many gifts that you give us. And as we have asked your forgiveness for not seeing them, we pray that you would open our eyes. As we meet each other and meet you at this Lord's table, we invite you to speak to us and help us to know what light we can hold for a child of yours somewhere in the world. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.